greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Hello and welcome to Winds of Change. This is your host and Bible teacher Keith McKenzie and this is the ninth and final installment in our study on anthropology with Pastor Conway Campbell. Hope that you've been enjoying this series. Always uh, just love the preparedness that uh, Pastor brings to uh, this subject and uh, we'll see you on the other side. They justified slavery and they forced people to convert during the Inquisitions. And they'd say that was all part of church history. So don't bring up church history and say that that's part of it because then you'd have to say then that slavery was good or, um, you know, forcing people to convert is good. So they're saying history um, doesn't carry much weight. And um, I think that's a, that's a good point for that. Thoughts, comments? Let's look at some of the differences between men and women, some biological differences. Because I stand on the complementarian side, in case you didn't get that. But there's some differences there. Women um, store more fat and retain more heat. They have more white blood cells and B and T lymphocytes. They can fight off infections faster. They're m What's that? Yeah. Well, they're just differences, biological differences. <laughs> yeah, some good, some bad, but there's purposes for that. Now, why would you think the purpose would be for storing fat and retaining more heat? What would that be useful for? Yeah, childbirth, ch you know, pregnancy, and so forth. Um, you know, um, women are more perceptive due to a more responsive sensory system, finer body here, more acute sense of hearing, taste, touch, and smell. You know, mom could go like that. Let's see if you have a fever. Yes, you're burning up. You know, the father's like, ah, oh, that sounds normal. You know? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, they can dis discriminate color better, particularly on the red end of the spectrum. And some people would say, perhaps you could see rashes better and, and the infection, you know, that kind of, you could tell, you know, looking at your kid. Um, they have less testosterone, meaning that they are more patient, stay in the immediate family longer. Um, a baby's cry triggers involuntary responses um, and produces more cortisol during prolonged stressful situations. Cortisol reduces the serotonin, which can lead to depression. And so these are some differences. Look at the men. Men have a 10% higher metabolic rate, 50% more muscle mass, have more sweat glands that dissipate heat faster. You know, you think about... You know, what's the reason for that? Maybe for harder, more physical work that men sometimes do. And, and if, if you look at the, the stats out there, it shows that men tend to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, they have 10% more red blood cells, so wounds heal faster. Have 15 times higher testosterone after puberty, so there's more aggressive um, competitive sports you know, and things like that, prone to argue. Um, the, um, 
age group that I, is the toughest for me to work with, and I work with them is 18 to 22 year olds, men. You know, um, very hard to work with, and they produce more testosterone during prolonged stressful times, giving more endurance, but are more apt to have hypertension. So it could be good or bad, right? Those um, the um, the testosterone could be good to 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 have endurance, but on the other hand, hypertension. You know, that's a, that's a bad thing and a, and a good thing. And so I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that we're biologically equipped for different roles. You look at it that way, we're, we're, we're different in that way. And the complementarian view, in my opinion, shows that there's dignity in both roles and that both roles are needed. Look at that diagram I included there. Um, it should be on the, the last page. This shows the complementarian anthropology. If you start at the top, you could see that male and females have ontological equality. You know, um, that's not debated. They're equal in their being. But when you come down to the traits, you see that there are some different ones. Yes, Maya? What's that? No, just son. Let me, let me go down in a little bit. Just, just watch. So we see ontological equality at the top, right? Um, and then we see some of the primary traits. We could see that they're different. Um, primary traits um, for males, independent, logical, ambitious. Primary traits for women, relational, emotionally sensitive, compassionate. The biological traits for men, strong, heals quickly, high testosterone. We just looked at some of those things. Biological traits for women, perceptive, fights infections, low testosterone. And then um, this produces the, the um, functional hierarchy where what we see is a Trinitarian analogy, so an analogy to the Trinity, if you will, where men are compared to the Father and women are compared to the Son, not saying that the Son is female or anything like that, but just looking at um, the function, functional stuff within that hierarchy. Um, you know, the Father is, is the leader. Um, the Son is the completer. Um, and you kind of go down there to church function and primary, primary marital need and um, the effect of the fall. And you can see the rest there. So, you know, whether you like a chart like this or not, um, we, we can agree probably that there are clear gender role differences and um, that men and women need each other, um, even within the family. Uh, men and women need each other, and um, we elevate, we each elevate each other's roles, if you will. Thoughts, comments, questions, disagreements? Is this very big, especially, especially when it comes down to the church, because it, um, the churches that would say that a woman can be a pastor... Um, would probably have an egalitarian view in terms of everybody's equal, you serve according to your gift. Because keep in mind, a woman can have a gift as a pastor shepherd. You could, take a, you could have a spiritual gift inventory and look at that, but the Bible forbids holding the office of a pastor shepherd. You can use that gift in a slew of other roles besides that. But it's holding the office, and that's, that's the idea what the Bible talks about. So, so it's a huge issue. Um, people would look at me and say, um, you're a chauvinist or 
you're this. And I can't believe you believe that a woman cannot hold the office of a pastor. And, um, and so it, it's, a, it's a big issue. Um, now, if, if somebody's an egalitarian, does it mean that they are not a believer? No. Um, but, again, it shows how they read Scripture. And so it's one of those debates that if you haven't had yet, you might have at some point. Um, you know, just, just like I talked about this morning, there are some things that are fundamental beliefs, and there are some things that are ones that, you know, not that I would say this is a negotiable, because, you know, on this one, on the complementarian side, I'm a plus 10, you know. Um, on other issues, I'm a plus 2, you know. So everybody is different in there somewhere. But it's a huge, huge issue. Yes, Maya? Do they debate on other issues um, within this whole thing? Yeah, there's a whole slew because it, can women be pastors? Can they teach Sunday school to adult men and women? Um, all of those kinds of things, perhaps. You know, what can can they do? Um, the, there's a whole gamut. You know, can a mom work at all? Can a mom work when her kids are in school? Can she, can she work? Can she only work when they're in college? Can she only work when they leave home? There's a whole, you know, you look at the continuum, you know, and there and there are people who hold to. Some people will say only when they leave the house for uh, for college or for, um, you know, to get married, then you could work. Or some will say you can't work at all. Some will say when the kid goes to kindergarten, and they're all in full day school. You know, so you could see the whole range of things that could happen in there in terms of this debate that people talk about. I know who you're talking about, but um, it seems like in some situations, well, in some situations, I know they're ordained. Um, I don't know about those particular situations you're talking about. I think I know of one of them, but I don't know if she's ordained or not. But it, 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 um, from what I know, she is in charge of like a women's ministry, but she has the term pastor. So some people feel the liberty to say we can call um, her pastor even though she's only in charge of women's ministry. And others would say, absolutely not. Don't use that term. Um, so, you know, you really don't know until you go into the situation. Um, for example, um, a ch the church we attended before we came here had deaconesses. But if you looked at it from the surface, you'd be like, no way. Um, but it was the role that they had, what were their, their role? Preparing the elements for communion and preparing women for baptism. And kind of helping out in terms of like the like what the social committee does here, yeah, that kind of stuff. And that to me doesn't violate the biblical principle. So from the outside, you could say, "What are you doing?" And we had to really kind of ask some questions, you know, when we went there and say, "What what is the role of the deaconesses? You know, what do they do?" And you're like, "Okay, um, it's that general serving role, kind of like um, 
um, was it Phoebe? You know, um, when 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 the, that term servant is used, because the term deacon just means servant. And so what we have to look at is context. Context is what dictates what the role is. Um, and so, you know, so it's just a general servant role. And, okay, we said okay. So, but in, in those situations, in some cases, um, the women are ordained. You know, we talked about um, Joyce Meyer. Um, I know Monica is a good friend who really loves her and one time sent her a lot of books on, you know, I think Joyce is like her hero. And she sent you like a dozen books or something like that and tapes and, I don't know, maybe end up in the garbage or something. But, um, but, um, but yeah, you know, she's a pastor of a church. And, um, you know, this, if you watch some, if you have some of those channels like TBN or the church channel or those kind of things, Bishop Millicent something, you know, and she's a pastor, you know. And um, I forget where I was and um, I was in a, in a situation. Sometimes at the college I get caught up in these committees and stuff like that that brings together a lot of people. You know, there was this one that had um, a Catholic priests and Episcopal and um, Lutheran and, and there's a female Lutheran priest and, you know, different things. You get caught up in these kind of things. Somebody introduced me to somebody one time. I wasn't at, not one of these things, but I was at another, must have been at a funeral at another church. And they said, oh, this is pastor such and such. And it was a woman that said, oh, hey, Judy, or something like that. I didn't use that term. But, you know, you get caught up in those situations all the time. And it's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> right. Don't say anymore. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> she was there, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got to be careful of my examples. <laughs> Leading worship? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not preaching. Mm hmm. But, you know, being asked Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, it's a fine line. You know, and, and that's just where I stand on it. There's some people who would say no. Um, I think where it might cross the line is where there might start to be, be over exhortation. You know, um, then it might start to get. All right, let's move on, you know. Um, I think um, out of anybody that I've seen in terms of a woman leading worship, Trisha did it the best um, that I've seen out of, out of anybody. Um, and beyond that, I just felt uncomfortable in terms of, all right, save that for the preaching. Let's, let's move on. But you can exhort through Scripture and saying things, and there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it, I think. like they differ with us and don't think we're Christians um, sometimes or they might accept us as Christian they might say alright maybe they'll go to heaven maybe yeah but um, <laughs> but um, you know I disagree with that that she she should could do the other part but um, but in terms of preaching to a 
mixed audience on a Sunday morning. That's that's different. And it, you know what? Sometimes I find myself driving along, and there's a a woman talking some program, and I listen to it for a little bit. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm above that. You know, it's there's a different. You know, we're all in different spectrums. You know. Um, Sometimes I'll just see, oh, what, what, is, what is, how does she think about this particular point? Um, you know, um, uh, pastor um, down in South Carolina, um, his mother came here last Friday, but um, his wife leads their women's ministry. But you know what? If she was a man, she'd be a great preacher. You know, I think she is. She, she, she leads the ministry well, and, and she preaches like whole books to the women there. You know, kind of like how her husband does it. And she, she, she preaches pretty good. And so you could see how people who are charismatic can attract people. And people are sitting in, in congregations sometimes, you know, where with women pastors and, and these, these women have a lot of charisma. And, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't, they're saying they can't preach well. Some women can preach very well. But, you know, I think they, they look past pieces of scripture in terms of roles are. And, you know, I always give the example of the role of Titus where, what, older women and younger women and so forth, you know, and people might say that's, that's not enough of a role for a woman in the church. You know, it's a big one because I think when pastors take that on themselves, they fall into problems. And that's caused a lot of problems between pastors and younger women within the church and causing more problems because if they had followed what the Bible had said about who should do it, then they wouldn't be in that problem in the first place. And so a whole lot of other problems and compromises have happened when we bypass what the Bible says and who should do what. And that's the idea. Ontologically, we're the same. Um, but when we're in the church, different functions. Different functions. Yes, sir. Single, yeah. share some scripture and Paul talks about um, women having a covering, you know, in submission. But, you know, I know like me, I'm careful about anybody who wants to say something. If somebody's getting baptized and they're giving a testimony, I want to know what they're going to talk about. You know, I don't want to be surprised about anything. And so I would do the same thing with a, a woman, woman missionary who's coming in. There's no, I don't think there's anything wrong, her sharing a verse that encourages her, you know, that kind of thing. But, again, it would be a, a fine line. But with a single woman, with a, like with the married, as you talked about, um, about going to your husband, you know, there's a fine line and there's a, you know, do you hold to that like in every single question? You know, and, and I, I hear that verse all the time and I, I don't hold to it. It's not like an absolute. If somebody comes up to me after church and sometimes somebody's with their husband or, or, and, and, and say, 
you know, it has to do with the message. And I'll just answer the question. I don't say go home and, you know, you just answer it. But um, I think that has to do with this ongoing teaching by, by yourself. And so I always tell people um, that, you know, um, and, and it has to be a, and sometimes the husbands are unsaved. So that's a difficult thing too. So that's where other women in the church come in. And um, that could be, some of that could be directed, or there could be a, a joint meeting. You know, um, it hasn't happened in a while, but I've, Monica sat, sat in with me on meetings. You know, and that's probably the way to go if in that situation where the husband's unsaved and he's not going to be able to answer the question. So rather than frustrating her, you know, why do that? Now, in cases where the husband's saved, maybe he's not as mature, um, you know, and it, and it might be an ongoing thing. I might still meet with the husband and kind of help prop him up and build him up to be able to answer those kind of things. Um, and um, Or I'll sit down with both of them, you know, and, and do that. But but I see that. But with, with single women, the, or in a case where the husband might be unsafe, it might be the best idea to either have another woman meet and answer some of those questions, do some of that discipleship, or the pastor meet with that woman with another woman or his wife in that case so that there's some kind of accountability and deal with that way but you know people have these questions and rather than frustrating them you know and just say you know single woman who's she gonna you know go um the the pastor then is the authority and she wants to she wants to know it so um so we can sit down and some of that is you know depends on the age thing sometimes you know sometimes um you know um you know, somebody's at a certain age, it might mean you could sit down alone or not. You know, it's, it's a fine line. you got to use some, a lot of common sense. Yeah, there's a lot of single women, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just makes good sense, you know, to, like even here at the church, you know, the the, the glass and the doors and those kind of things. And at my office, that's the first thing I did. I put in everybody's door. You know, everybody's having glass, you know. And that's just what you do because people are passing by all the time. So just to remove any of that, that don't. Evangelism? Yeah. You know, you're sharing your faith with someone or, you know, in, in any kind of setting. And someone has more questions. Um, and so if it's a man-woman or a woman-man situation where she doesn't want to be the one to teach him, but at the same time, Right. And, well, God commands us to share our faith, right? And so um, it's different than in a church situation. Yeah. And so you're going to share, and then you might have the privilege of leading a man to the Lord. You know? That's great. Sometimes it's couples that do that together. If you know it's a situation where you're going to try and do it, it'd be better to just have a, somebody else there. Um, you have those situations where it just comes up on you. You just go anyways, but you plan on having um, somebody else there so that you can you can have that accountability. And not to mention, sometimes you know, I remember one time uh, John Pelagia and I we, we were meeting with this friend of his, and um, gosh, it must have been a three-hour conversation. But there were times where I just wasn't thinking, and John jumped in, you know. And th- that's why sometimes having two people can help you do. They kind of that person's observing and they're thinking, and they go, and then you take turns, and you kind of go back and forth, but. Good questions, though, because you could see how um, this is one of those, this is a big issue. And again, 
it will determine, you know, I surf, I surf a lot of church websites. Um, not in a given week, but in a month, you know, I'll just search and just look at stuff, look at their staffing. That's the first thing I'll look at. Who's the leaders? What do they say about them? You know, and, and especially when we're traveling somewhere and we want to visit churches, that's one of the things that I'll look at, um, you know, because I don't want the last thing. And sometimes there's certain things you can't see, you know, but um, the last thing I'd want to do is to walk into a place and be surprised and then have to walk out. But I do a lot of careful research even before I travel. You see a lot on the website. Some people don't have websites, so you go and then you're surprised, you know. I know Scott and Rebecca were, you know, going through some of that, you know, and they, they went to a place and um, there's a, a female pastor and they're like, oh, you know, and then to go to another place, and you know. So it, it's, it's really hard, and that's why if you travel to some of the same places, you have that church that's yours, you know. You have, you have that place. Um, and it's good. It's good to have that. You, you kind of know. You know, they might not be everything that you want, but you know that they're going to be solid, and you know it's a place you could go. To serve as what? Um, you know what? You know, I've I've been some places where you get up to leave, and the ushers in the back are like, "What are you doing?" You know, seriously. Um, and you almost feel like you can't leave because they're like, hey, you know, the pastor is talking. But um, that's why I like to sit in the back and um, we could kind of slip out, slip out quickly. Yeah, slip out quickly. Right. You never go there again. <laughs> uh, good questions, though. Let's um, pray if there's nothing else. All right, Father, thank you for tonight and for um, these discussions. Help us, Lord, to uh, constantly be looking at these issues, Lord, even these issues that are non-negotiable, so that um, and looking at your words so that we could have a, a good understanding of where you want us to be on these issues. Lord, uh, we know you're going to give us certain convictions, and those convictions are going to be ours sometimes. And, and But even then, help us to have unity with that. So we thank you so much. Give us your blessing as we go in Christ's name. Amen. And that's a wrap for this session and this series. Uh, we have other series. If you like this uh, theological content, uh, we have this in our classroom section on the website under theology. The uh, various uh, elements of systematic theology are all being uploaded in audio format. Uh, we have notes attached to some of them. They're uh, built right into the, um, the, the, the players. You can find the notes underneath uh, some of the sessions where the notes are available. Other notes, we're trying to chase those down. And um, if you're enjoying that and the other things, we ask that uh, our Bibliology series is still ongoing. We have another 10 sessions uh, ready to go with that. Um, they'll be going up. The notes will be attached uh, below them. Uh, the Rapture series is ongoing. We have several other things on the table, including uh, our parable studies and other uh, things that we have already up on the site. Uh, you can stay up to date with all those things by going to uh, iTunes, and you can find all of those links through our social media websites, all attached to uh, 
37.com. That looks like AMOS, the numbers 37.com. And as always, our good friend John Waller is in the background playing. Um, he's just come out of the studio, uh, recorded a, a new album uh, that he, he had just uh, written and recorded recently. And uh, it's about heaven, and that will be available, we're hoping, soon. But you can find more about John and his ministry because his music really ministers. And uh, you can find him at johnwallermusic.com. But anyway, as always, we ask that you continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. And until next time, my name is Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. God bless. the great